Welcome to my dad. Welcome to Mindhead. And also to episode 29 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. I am Noah Frank. With me, as always, is my co-host, Will Vitka. And this week, our guest is social media maven, Zach Seidel, who brings us the 1999 Hollywood send-up comedy, Bowfinger, starring Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Heather Graham, Christine Baranski, and Jamie Kennedy. Zach, as the one who brought us this film, let me ask you, did you know Tom Cruise had no idea he was in that vampire movie until two years later? Apparently it's true. I should look it up, right? <laughs> Which will be much easier now than in 1999 to look up. I can just Google, I guess. I, I'm, I'm interested at how much, and we don't have hard answers on these. We have some answers on these. How much of these things actually were based on real things in Hollywood? I, I definitely read and then was like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. That the entire Heather Graham character is like supposed to be Anne Heche who had a like an affair with Steve Martin when she was younger and he was older and then of course famously became a lesbian and dated a famous lesbian in Hollywood like the whole thing is like extremely not even couched basically that that was what that was I don't know any any anything else like that stand out I actually had no idea that was Anne Heche Daisy I believe was the character's name right was the source of so many arguments between me and my best friend we've been best friends literally for I'm not even joking, like 21, 22 years. And I think that's the hardest we've ever argued on anything in our lives was about that character and just various things in the movie with that character. That's so a knowing character. it's based on truth is a little bit interesting. I'll have to tell him. Uh, Anne Heche, also from Ohio, just, oh, just in case there were any doubts. <laughs> he definitely just makes that whole thing so much more upsetting. Yeah, I know. Well, uh, I'll get into more other things like that uh, as we, we get into uh, some of our, our bits here, because there's some other interesting parallels to truth that I stumbled upon. But before we get too far down the road, Zach, uh, you were the one who brought us this film. Why did you think that you liked this movie? And what was your original experience with it? Do you remember the first time you watched it? Do you remember who you were with? Do you remember was it in the theaters and video? Like, 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 what do you remember from the, from your original viewing of it? I literally just remember that I had a VHS of it that I would, so the house I grew up in had this like huge basement. It was like a rancher and the basement was as big as the house. And my parents, my sister was six years younger than me. And my parents would just be like, oh, it's the weekend or it's night. Just, just go play in the basement, do whatever you want down there. You know, and they gave me movies and stuff. And, and my father, he had a thing where he was known to corrupt me as a child. Like my mom would be like, you know, no Ren and Stimpy, no this and that. He'd be like, okay, but he's going to watch South Park with me. Is that okay? This is like 97, 98. And, and my mom would always argue, but, but she had this thing where she would never argue or he'd be like, if it's a Steve Martin movie and he wants to watch it, let him watch it. My mom would be like, yeah, Steve Martin is pretty great. So I do not remember how I ended up with a copy of that movie. I just remember I had the VHS. I very explicitly remember like the VHS and seeing like the bow finger, like the, the picture of Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy on the front. And I, I had to watch it like 10, 11 times. And I remember so little of it. And so whenever I'm listening on the radio or stuff and people are always talking about Eddie Murphy, they're like, he made a lot of stinkers. And everyone's always like, yeah, but Bowfinger was decent. Everyone's like, yeah, Bowfinger was pretty good, actually. So I've been hearing it ever since. I probably haven't seen it in 20 years. And just every so often, someone bring up Bowfinger and I'd be like, okay, so I do remember liking it. But now that I watch it again, I'm like, oh, I didn't understand anything that was going on in that movie. I was nine years old. <laughs> well, did you have any background with the movie? I don't think that I did. I'm sh I probably did see it at some point because my mom was a huge Steve Martin fan and I was definitely a fan of Eddie Murphy, but I, I don't remember anything except there's like a vague recollection of that final 30 seconds where Eddie Murphy is doing the Kung Fu movie in Taiwan. And he's like very obviously not fighting, but the stunt guys are all like flying backwards in comedic ways. I had a vague memory of that, but I did not remember the rest of the movie at all. I, I definitely did not see it. I remember it coming out though. I have like have the cultural memory of it, and specifically, like, for, like I was watching and I was like, I don't, none of this is clicking. And then when Eddie Murphy as his brother comes on, I was like, oh right, I remember this. I remember this from the ads, from the previews. Like I remember this from from like TV trailers. Him with the braces and the goofy smile and just the dopey like. I actually thought that he did a really good job with that character. I, I, that character was like acting wise was great 
I had a lot of other problems with it, but I thought that Eddie Murphy, <laughs> Eddie Murphy's portrayal of the character, I thought was actually really, really good. It was one of the better parts of the movie. Yeah, Eddie Murphy actually seemed like he was trying in this, which is a, a good thing for the late 90s, because that's kind of when he fell off. Yeah, well, I, I, I read a thing that he only spent five or six weeks actually, like, his parts of like doing this which is really funny dovetailing into sort of the plot of the film and everything uh but that he only did it really because he really liked steve martin and he was he wanted to be in a movie with steve martin to that end zach (laughs) it is on you since you uh made us watch this to try to recap what exactly happened in this film it's actually not probably that difficult the varying levels of insanity that you want to include um i'm really enjoying your phrasing of that by the way yeah you made us watch this yeah um anywhere between a log line and a paragraph what what happened in this movie let me see if i can fit it into uh a a very short tweet thread uh let's see if we can do it that way 150 characters guy is a shitty movie producer with no money who has his cast of characters who it's insinuated all support him for God knows why, what reason, and they're all about to do it. And he's about to lose everything. And his accountant, I think they, they, they kind of were clear, writes this script for a movie called Chubby Rain about aliens. <laughs> and it's aliens in the rain, in the rain, in the rain. Yes. It's a good, it's apparently it's a good script, but you know, he's down on his luck and no one really wants to give him a chance. And he's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And, a bunch of stuff happens. There's a really random Robert Downey Jr. cameo in it that is still really random to think about knowing where his career has gone on to. He ends up, you know, saying he'll get the movie made with Eddie Murphy's character, Kit. What was his name? Kit. Uh, I want to say Harrington, but that's the guy from, uh, isn't that the guy from uh, Game of Thrones? It, it is. Uh, yes, yes. Kit something or other is his name. Kit Ramsey. Kit Ramsey. Kit Ramsey's supposed to be the big movie star of the time. And essentially there's a lot of quirks that he's going through and a lot of things that would be very problematic these days, but I get, we will get, we will get into that. It would be very incredibly problematic. Essentially Steve Martin's character, Bowfinger is going to make the movie without Kit's knowledge (laughs) and they do all this stuff and they eventually pretty much make the movie without his knowledge and a little bit of blackmail. So that's what happens. Yeah. Will, any uh, any any additional major plot lines there? I don't think I really have anything to add in terms of the plot, but there, yeah, I'll just, I'll echo the problematic uh, <laughs> for sure. I didn't read the Amazon. I, I always love the Amazon descriptions because they're always so bizarre. Like they're more bizarre than like your standard TV descriptions. I didn't read it this time. But I was trying to think about what that would have been. And it's I like, if I was writing it, at least it's like, you know, D-list producer blackmails, <laughs> like, uh, action star into allowing him to write him into a movie he yeah like is it, is it bankrupt more... bankrupt schlock auteur stocks well-known action star for z-grade alien film i think yeah. it's more i think it's more black males church of scientology knockoff to get a list star i think is right. what it is right yeah yeah so that's i mean it's if that sounds strange and not very feasible then you're on the right track i i I mentioned a little bit i i'm I'm curious we have a lot to to dive into in terms of what very much does not hold up in this film let's let's start by taking the angle of what were the most indicative of the time and era references because i think that that is going to cover some basic plot stuff some basic scene setting stuff but then we're also going to have a lot more to talk about there that's that's it's it's the big jar on, on this particular episode so why don't we just just pop that one open uh zach what were the most uh, indicative of the time and era references for you although oh, that that first scene with robert downey jr where he's pretending to be on the car phone and he's pretending it's a cell phone because he had the he had the car phone and he had the cord in his sleeve trying to hide it and then he just rips it out and he's talking and yeah that was definitely probably the most visual uh thing and also the whole following a guy around with a camera without anyone else noticing seems pretty implausible these days and especially with what they ended up blackmailing him with definitely seems like something that would have gotten caught somewhere besides some questionably obtained immigrants who were filming things for them that's probably the best way i can 
can put that another yeah. problematic thing oh yeah no i mean we're gonna we're gonna dress this down <laughs> just yeah. so to speak exactly as it is but i i love the the implication uh of course just in case you haven't seen the movie eddie murphy's character his sort of lead action star steven seagal tom cruise whatever kind of mashup you want him to be has this obsession with flashing the laker girls basically and we see that they accidentally while following him around to get b-roll shots got him on camera doing this and they all laugh and point at him and run away and the implication of course with all this is that either they didn't say anything or nobody believed them to the point that this wasn't already a scandal or it was just i took the implication as is that what he had down there was so embarrassing they just thought it was funny and didn't say anything i think that's what they were trying to get at mr weenie yeah it was still incredibly problematic looking at it the 2021 view yeah it's still very illegal (laughs) still very much like a thing like it doesn't really matter like whether or not they were impressed you know (laughs) that's that is not the uh it's not the way the law is written, but yeah, no, it's, uh, that was one of many things you also touched on, uh, there, the, the quote from, from the Steve Martin character from the, the director was when they decided to actually shoot, it was, I want the best damn crew we can afford. And then they cut to them at the border, loading people coming over the border into the back of their van as they're shot at by, I assume, border patrol. Afrim, we got to get a crew and I want to get the best damn crew we can afford. really really interesting uh decision there steve for comedy in 1999 i read in in my research that uh that was an ad-libbed eddie murphy line uh when he's talking about what it would take for him to win an oscar where he said find me a script with an r-word slave then i'll get the oscar that that was just him riffing uh which you kind of understand a little more for a stand-up comedian to have said that but at the same time like Come on, man. <laughs> what are we doing here? White boys get all Oscars. It's, 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 it's a fact. We know that, but look, look, look. Did I get a nomination? No, and you know why? Because I because I ain't playing none of them slave roles. I get my ass whipped. That's when you get the nomination. That's what Black dude play a slave role, get his ass whipped, he get the nomination. The white boy play an idiot, they get the Oscar. Maybe I should play, get me, find me a script as a retarded slave, then I get the Oscar. When I saw that movie, like it came back to me. I do remember even feeling uncomfortable back then as like a 10-year-old child hearing that. I remember being very uncomfortable at 10 in the year, like 2000 hearing that. So it definitely has not aged at all well. Um, I, I have more, but Will, did you did you have any other like, but both just like basic in the in the movie stuff and then like uh, more cultural uh, issues. The, the way that Eddie Murphy as Kit's brother dresses is extremely late 90s, um, huge pants, for example just like comic i don't know if that was part of part of a bit but the clothes are all super dated nobody seems to i don't remember exactly when myspace started but like there's no social media whatsoever in the film nobody has cell phones you know all that kind of stuff the very basic i mean the opening scene the first thing you hear is he gets a phone call on his landline on his voicemail that is AT&T threatening to disconnect his phone. Like that is over $5 and 43. Right. But it's just an extremely, everything about that sentence is just extremely pre cell phone era, late nineties. And the Um, weirdo fake ponytail that he has in the beginning. Right. And we we all noticed that my friend was like, wait, when did Steve Martin get a ponytail? And then, and I guess they were in on it too, because the Robert Downey Jr. scene where he just took the yeah, ponytail off and gave it to him. Like... It's like it's like a gag, but like his hair doesn't even look like a anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I imagine that's supposed to be making fun of what Hollywood directors looked like in the late 90s. Yeah. The the final thing is is the the shtick of the girl literally off the bus for for Heather Graham's character. Right. Yeah. Her entire her entire character, basically. Like just the fact that like her character is based on oh, who's actually making decisions? I'll sleep with that person. Wait, it's another person making the next decision? I'll sleep with that person. Like, that's just, that's her entire character. I had a couple more things. A couple innocuous, a couple not so innocuous. Everyone is writing checks (laughs) for, like, everything, uh, which is great. That doesn't exist anymore, really. There was our our favorite uh, trope that always comes back somehow from late 90s comedies when you have Eddie Murphy making fun of Jackie Chan and saying they don't even speak English good. 
And the the other one that I think you could even be forgiven because it was just sort of in the middle of a bunch of madcap kind of bullshit that that happened was when he gets pulled over when eddie murphy and his crew get pulled over by the actually not cops and just pop right out of the car like and they're like wait why are you mad at and they're like yelling at the cops i was like oh god (laughs) just like my just my body just like tensed up like are are the cops gonna like draw their guns and like the the guy sort of does but it's like he's acting and so it's like and they're like just angry at him for doing it instead of it being like a serious situation i was like oh yeah uh-huh. That's that doesn't age well. For no, me. and there's also the entire leg of well, really, it's the hinge that the story relies on, which is the psychological torment of Eddie Murphy's character to get this movie done. Because I immediately thought about what about Bob? Where that's mental health stuff is just not funny. It just isn't. That has to that has never been funny, really. But I guess Steve Martin was in a what about Bob kind of mood when he wrote this. Yeah, I mean, that's similar time frame. And certainly there was like that idea of like, ha ha ha, we'll drive somebody crazy. This is fun, you know, like as as like played for gags uh, is still very much like a thing. Episode 15, You Are Tolerated. What about Bob? Uh, and that was 1991. So that was eight years earlier. So th- this actually like, I mean, and this makes sense for Steve Martin. A lot of it felt older. Than 1999 and that's just kind of i think i mean even like the soundtrack had a lot of sort of like more like oldies and swingy kind of like in a little bit the it was actually funny i noticed like the sort of the theme reminded me of uh of the theme from big trouble oh yeah you're right episode two it was this that sort of like almost like mambo salsa you kind of mm-hmm. beat you know uh lets you know that you're in like in for a ridiculous time which just like you know madness is going to ensue but yeah i mean like the fact the fact that this was like a steve martin like vehicle a lot of the stuff felt older i think than than even 1999 zach uh, anything else on of the era or or things that just absolutely did not hold up well out of this movie oh man there was a lot that didn't hold up well even though i still kind of enjoyed the movie yeah no i i mean let's see there was the Kit's whole character with what's the word I'm looking for where well the Scientology where like he goes and escapes to or sorry Steve Martin I'm reading it now Steve Martin said that it was not based on Scientology Mindhead was not based on right to not get sued we got it we understand yeah yeah yeah, Uh, but just pretty much everything with that I mean it was funny but I think it was just a little too blatant I actually I mean that of anything that that held up okay I, I don't I didn't mind that that's still like a thing and you know it was obviously meant to be over the top, but at the same time, like with the stuff that we've learned in the last 20 some odd years, I don't know. Uh, I meant, I meant, I meant more the, the, them playing on his mental health issues is sure. what I don't think, what I don't think held up well enough. Like he is clearly, I don't want to say disturbed, but, but sick mentally, um, you know, and, and they said that, you know, it's just, you know, Eddie Murphy, like I was reading about it and they said that, you know, Eddie Murphy was trying to spoof his own legendary paranoia and real life sex scandals and stuff. And I, I thought it went beyond that. And I didn't think that part really, really held up uh, well at all. Also, when Daisy gets off the bus and she's like, is this where I go to be a star? Like anyone watching these days would be like, I already have like four things ready on Google Maps, knowing where to go and already have like probably like DM'd people on Instagram or Twitter, like, hey, where do I go for this? And and stuff like that. And um, yeah, also- the And you wouldn't, you wouldn't show up if you didn't have a reel on on something. You're like, if you weren't somewhat famous in some venue, like you wouldn't just show up, you know? It's like- yeah, and, and also the whole thing about them having like the film and that's how the guy from the security guard who happens to be a mind head or whatever it's called, reader, uh, finding it. It's like, no, everything would be digital these days. They would have kept that under lock and key. So- I mean, that part, that stuff didn't really hold up uh, well, per se. And also, apparently, security at Mindhead is very lax based on that garage scene. Well, right. So, so we're we're leaking we're leaking now into into the you know what are what are like plots and continuity. No, it's good. It leads right into it. There are certainly. I mean, the movie itself as a whole is basically one giant plot hole. It's a, one of one of those movies that we run into every few episodes here. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, you you mentioned some of the like just like the mechanics of of 
of how stuff would work. The the biggest one, well, well, I'll let I'll let you. Did did you have anything that was like a either either from like a production standpoint that was a continuity error thing or just something that was like a major plot hole? I think for me, me and my friend watching it, his biggest one, and because I told him, you know, I'm like, let's watch this movie, and and so he came over and we watched it. And we had to rent it on Amazon. It was like four bucks, and we argued over the end who was going to pay for it. But um, I couldn't find the old VHS I had. You know, his biggest plot point that he wanted me to bring up was where did this supposed innocent Midwestern Ohio girl get a black Amex card that could just have everything bought? He was like, he was like, this is a major plot hole, you know, like, and and they kind of just dropped it. Like they brought it up, they used it for one scene and then it was just completely dropped, never to be heard from again. I I Um, think, I think they missed a chance with her to like, I mean, they sort of they sort of like cue you in that like, oh no, she's actually smart, knows what she's doing. But like they missed a chance for her to really actually have just been playing up this trope the whole time, you know, like, like, and actually know she's, you know, right. She does have money. She like does, she's not down to her last whatever and doesn't have the cash to pay for the audition. Like, like that's what didn't match up. Right. The sort of like presentation of her in 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 the beginning, but right. Like, like you could have you could have i think actually done that well in terms of oh actually this character has been pulling the strings kind of the whole way which they kind of do but they don't really fully pay off that way so no and and then it just doesn't line up with with the end where you know she supposedly has all this money and is willing to do anything or anyone to get to get to it and then when the audition comes for this big break she wants she was like well i can't write a check guess i'm leaving you know like it just doesn't match up with the character and, and going with that, my biggest gripe with it was, you know, there were times when you're watching it where you're like, oh, she's smart. You know, she knows what she's doing and she's climbing her way to the top. And then I guess they wanted her to find out that Kit didn't know he was being filmed. So they just made a joke that, oh, she slept with Dave. But everyone else she slept with, there was a point to it. They make a huge, they make a huge deal of, okay, first it was the actor to get more scenes and it was the writer to get more scenes and it was Bowfinger. You know, and then it was just like, oh, Dave, there was no reason for her to sleep with Dave. Like, it doesn't match up with her character arc at all, you know, unless she wanted film equipment or something. But they didn't explain it. That was a plot hole for me. I'm like, okay, everything else makes sense here. But, you know, that was just a joke. I think they were just trying to make a joke or have her find out. And I thought it was very lazily done. Yeah. Well, what else did you have? The big one for me was Kit's brother not mentioning that he's Kit's brother until uh, two thirds of the way in. I mean, it feels like that would have come up earlier. It's almost where they're at this, at this trying to play it both ways where like, is he supposed to be just very oblivious? Like, is he supposed to be like somebody who they're playing that for, they're playing it for laughs, like how simple he is. But are you actually making fun of somebody who would not, or was like, cause he's not like autistic. Like he doesn't present, but like, are you making fun of somebody who like, literally has some sort of a diminished like mental presence to where they wouldn't have mentioned something like that because of the, of like a, like a, a, you know, an inherent condition, in which case now a lot of the other stuff gets a lot less funny. Right. I mean, that's the whole point is like, they're kind of trying to have it both ways. Like, Oh, he just forgot. And it's like, right. Well, yeah. And so that brings up another question. The other thing that it made me think of was Eddie Murphy kit that that Eddie Murphy character, the main guy, he's presented as sort of a, you know, he's a jackass, I guess, but he doesn't come off as uncaring because it seems like he has a good relationship with his own folks, you know, the people who hang out with him or at least like reasonably okay. Why would he not also be looking out for his brother who might have mental health issues or is a simpleton in some capacity? It's very strange. It doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. And I thought that was a huge plot hole where they're apparently they don't have a relationship or maybe they do, but who knows? And, and he mentions that they don't have a relationship and he, he Jif, I think was Jiffern, Jifferson, I think is how it was listed. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how it's listed in the credits. Like he mentioned, oh yeah, I haven't talked to him for so long. And then Eddie Murphy, and then uh, Steve Martin was like, oh yeah, find out where he is. He's like, oh yeah, I'll call him. And then he calls him. He's like, oh yeah, he's going to be at this place at 445. I'm yeah, like, there's just so much that's, that doesn't make like, what? sense. And, and I mean, they could have, you know, developed that and I think in in a, without that much effort in a good way to like explain that a little better that, you know, to your point, like Eddie Murphy's character is very, his main character is his superstar is very vain and also very just sort of paranoid and like fame has clearly corrupted his, his brain. 
but right it's not clear that he's necessarily like evil or just like a like an asshole like everyone else is an asshole basically oh yeah, uh, yeah. or or too simple to be an asshole like the screenwriter is like too too simple to be like to really be evil but like you're you just you don't like any of them and that's part of the point but we've seen that done so much better in so many other ways since then and and that it just like i the one scene that really really where like i was like this isn't funny anymore like it was it wasn't tremendously funny to begin with but like there were funny bits here and there and i was kind of like okay i'll let this go and then the freeway scene i was like this isn't funny anymore oh no that was bad like like this is I don't know what the purpose I, and I don't, I still don't know what the purpose of that scene was. Like, what were we supposed to get out of that scene? Like what was, we already knew that Steve Martin's character was willing to do whatever to, to, to do this. And, and that's just sociopathic. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's run him across the highway and see if he dies. Like, I kept, I kept thinking of, of Ed, you know, the, the Tim Burton movie, Ed Wood, the sort of semi biographical film about Ed Wood, who was a, a, an actual schlock auteur in like the thirties, forties. Okay, that's that's a great film if you haven't seen it, and it's basically the same kind of down on his luck uh, schmuck who who just has this incredible desire to make movies, and that that was a real guy, and that's a movie with heart. So you know this guy is not very good at what he does, but he is just like has this burning desire to just make movies, and every five or six minutes of Bowfinger, I kept thinking. This is just shitty, heartless Ed Wood. Yeah. You know, that scene, I remember that scene, specifically the freeway, like it came back to me. And I remember like when I watched it and even like when me and my friends watched it when we were younger, we were laughing at it. I But we were like nine and 10. We just saw the physical comedy of it. Like even when I was watching it, like me and my friend were like, you know, kind of wincing through it. We're like, oh, this isn't great. But like the physical comedy and the way he was physically acting him running was kind of funny. Like the way he was like stopping and starting, like the actual physical act itself was funny. Like if you were watching mute and just watching, watching it on mute and just watching that, you probably laugh just because of like the way Eddie Murphy was physically doing it. But like knowing what, you know, like we were both watching, we're like, Oh no, this isn't, this, this isn't good. No. And and like, he's so clearly scared. He's like, I don't want to do that again. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. Well, and right, like, like again, he Eddie Murphy plays that character really well. Like that character is, I to me one of the like, like his acting in that character is one of the best parts of the movie. But like, what that character goes through in that scene for really no apparent reason, like it does not forward the plot in any way. Like it doesn't really, you know, like I don't, I still don't know. I've thought about it. I still don't understand like why that scene exists, except just for the because they're like, yeah, we're gonna do this, and we're just gonna like have it be a thing that you get uncomfortable about you know and hopefully makes you laugh but like uh, i don't know the biggest like overarching plot hole though is steve martin had to know that he was gonna need consent to put the movie out like at some point between when he conceived of this idea and when they were going to release it he had to know that he was gonna need consent so instead of them happenstancing their way into finding this footage, like make him diabolical about it from the beginning that he's searching out. Maybe he knows that he has a proclivity for Laker girls. Maybe he knows that there's like a whole, th- you know what I mean? Like have him be like, no, no, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Because he knows that he's going to be able to blackmail him at the end. Like, yeah, it's not like tabloids didn't exist. Yeah. Like, like just lay hints out there where he sees, you know, and, and like, you could have made it so that he had a plan that actually maybe even if it took a lot of things going right could work. He didn't have a plan past that point. Like he, they, he just like stumbles into the, the end of it. And I'm just like, no, that's <laughs> even all of all the crazy shit that you were going to do. You still were going to hit this roadblock that was, you had nothing to get past it. Like you were not going to be able to make your movie. We're not going to be able to put it out. So like, yeah, actually that would have been a great excuse for that weirdo, Robert Downey Jr. cameo. You could have had Robert Downey, who had his own legal troubles, drop a line, say like, "Did you see? Did you see what they said about Kit in the New York Post today?" There you go. There's there's a tongue-in-cheek sort of tabloidy reference about personal problems that maybe Kit was having that Robert Downey is aware of, and maybe they can get him on the cheap. Like introduce that earlier. Yeah, something something to where that's why he's his mark, not just oh he's a famous like 
don't know. There's no, there's no hook there to, to pay that off. It's just, it just all happens to work out in the end. It isn't that great for everybody. You know, he did. Uh, he did have that line at the end when, when they catch him and he was like, he immediately, when they catch him, he immediately stands up. He, what did he say? He said, I don't need consent in Iran or another country. So like, part of me was like, was that his plan was just to release right. it foreign things. Like he knew as soon as they caught him, he was ready to go. Yeah. But that was going to be his big financial windfall. That was going to save his whole like production company was releasing it to these two countries where he'd like, it doesn't. And I'm sure that's probably not true anyway, but anyway, it's that, that, that was just like, that that's something that could have been fixed that bothered me that uh, they just left open-ended no but he, um, grew, he grew a conscience at that breakfast remember there was that whole scene where he grew a conscience at the breakfast and that's oh, why but but i mean but well and then of course he immediately throws it away as soon as he realizes that that he's slept with his what he thought was his girlfriend which yeah. again that is good steve martin comedy like that yeah. is what what i expect out of steve martin is like oh you think you're getting the moral and like they insult you in one personal way and you're willing to throw it all away again. Like that's, that's good Steve Martin comedy. It's just everything else around it. Like <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't really tied up very well. I, I will say the Steve Martin comedy, the, there was one line in it that had me and my friend just rolling on the floor and we were quoting the rest of the night. It was when he confronts Daisy about it. And she was, he was like, you slept with Dave. And she's like, so and he's like well i never considered that dinner date yeah sure i'll pick you up like we were dying on the floor we were like that was perfectly acting that was so steve martin right there like just how quickly he goes well i never considered that i wish there was more of that i mean i wish there was more of that just sort of the the you know the the very like naked oh right that we're all we're all just in it for us i guess you know like like who cares it would have it would have been funnier that way i think also bobby bowfinger is not the name of a hollywood producer bobby bowfinger is the name of an sec linebacker who gets implicated in a pay-for-play scandal involving a paper bag full of cash and a stripper named mystique i'm sorry bobby bowfinger bobby bowfinger beat florida with that pick six late last year I thought it was like, the name of the water boy. I got mixed. I was like, no, that was Bobby close. Boucher. I was I like, know. Bobby Boucher. Close. We, we talked a little bit about the characters, but was there a character, um, Zach, on, on the rewatch for you that maybe you remembered more fondly this time around that was that was funnier, that was better? Uh, I, we talked a little bit about the Heather Graham character maybe not being well-developed. Was there another character that, that, that was not as funny or, or not as good to you this time around? I'm actually going to go in a different direction as you guys. I remember laughing hysterically at at the the Jif character, Eddie Murphy, the brother character, and not liking Kit. And then this time I watched it. I really did not like Jif and I loved Kit. I thought Kit was, I mean, I didn't like all of his, you know, you know, uh, issues with the Laker girls and wanting to expose himself. But I thought like the way Eddie Murphy played it was so well. And, it, and like you said, he wasn't an anti-hero per se, but they do do a good job of making you semi- sympathetic towards him you know you know feeling bad for everything he's going through and and i remember like just being the opposite and like when jifferson or whatever it was was on screen i was like yeah okay like it's funny and he's doing a good job playing him but but i was like i need more kit on the screen i think he's just funny like the other scene that had us dying laughing was when he's at the suit store trying to get suits and he has his own guy trying on the suits for him and he holds up the uh the, the the picture of him his head on a stick in front of it so he can see what it looks like on the suit and then they're like we'll give you this suit for free if you just you know take a picture and he's like all right pay me a thousand dollars i'll be here friday at 4 p.m like that was great like i thought that was funny and that holds up well and it's, it's hilarious and I, I wanted more kit like i thought kit was great just without the whole demeaning him for mental illness and exposing himself and stuff but no when eddie murphy was definitely playing it to spoof himself i thought it was very funny I think we were all probably in agreement that the the best parts of the movie were making fun of Hollywood culture in, in, in little vignettes like that. And, and right. The idea that we, we went from, Oh, you don't have to pay for these two. No, no, you will pay me to, to actually put this clothes, these clothes on. Will uh, characters, uh, obviously this was your first watch, but uh, who were your favorites and, and least favorites? I, I hated absolutely everybody. I had the most fun watching Eddie Murphy. Anytime Eddie Murphy was on screen, I would at least get a chuckle, except for the aforementioned he's on the verge of tears trying to cross the highway thing, which just felt very uncomfortable. I did enjoy the immigrants at the very end when it was clear that they knew what they were doing. They started off just running into a van, 
but by the end they're talking about the aperture of the camera and how to shoot x y and z i thought that was kind of fun there was also a middle scene where they're speaking in Spanish and they're, but they're talking about Citizen Kane and yes, Apocalypse yeah, Now yeah, yeah. and like they keep dropping like classics of film Doctor Strange Love and like like yeah like that was that was a, a nice uh semi-redeeming mm. <laughs> aspect from I was yeah. telling my friend I'm like, I think, I, like. They had, I think they had the best character arc of anybody <laughs> you know like they're the only ones who had a character yeah, arc. and they learn and like and then at the end when uh, there's a cell phone ring in the last in the next to last scene in their house and all of them pull out like flip phones which are supposed to be like insane at the time like oh my god they're so wealthy and they were all dressed nice i'm like oh like they had a cool character arc like i like these like how how they ended up there was very problematic but the rest of the scene was very they were very well done and they are the heroes of the movie 100 <laughs> percent. they actually literally are yeah yeah i i, I said before you know i i liked i i liked Eddie Murphy's acting, but really had a lot of trouble with that that character. I I enjoyed uh, our our head of of Mindhead. Uh, I I thought I thought for a supporting role, like delivered the, those lines lines that when you read them on your own, delivered them with a gravitas that you like don't realize how quite how ridiculous they are. Like, I know you want to show it to the Laker girls, but you must never show it to the Laker girls. And what is it we don't do? Under any circumstances. Oh, man. What is it? Look, I have to show it to the Laker girls. You cannot show it to the Laker girls. Keep Mr. Weenie in the pants. Always in the pants. I know you want to show it to the Laker girls, but you must never show it to the Laker girls. But in this very deep complex like luxurious accent to where it's, uh, it's like... a that's terrence stamp i think who is is yeah, terrence stamp but my, my friend we had to stop actor. the movie because every time he came on the screen my friend's like i've seen this dude i have yeah. seen this dude and after like the third time he was on screen we had to stop the movie i had to go to his filmography and i was reading down and he was like no i was like he was general zod and superman he was like that's it zod like that that's it right there yeah, he, he lent a gravitas to ridiculous lines, which is a, a, a thing that I appreciate in most comedies is when you have somebody who really like shouldn't be in the comedy delivering the comedy lines, whether it's like a Werner Herzog or whether it's, you know, just like somebody that has that has this like presence where you're like, why is this person saying these lines? I enjoyed that. I uh, There were a couple other uh, just like good lines that were snuck in. I, f- I feel like Early in the movie, there were there were some good some good one offs. There was the we're, we're trying to make a movie here, not a film. It's too much for the audience to have to think about. They have to know that the guy's name is Cliff, and that he's on a cliff, and that a cliff and a cliff is the same. It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Just about like like the whole project. I was curious what just what did you guys who did you guys think that Eddie Murphy's star was supposed to be? This was late nineties, so we're like pre like wrestlers as action star or i guess we're between eras of wrestlers because you there's of course another arnold drop as we have like every five movies on this podcast but like he wasn't supposed to be like a wrestler like he didn't he wasn't there was no suggestion that he was supposed to be this sort of like background in in physical sports or anything but he was this action star who did you think that that they were trying to sort of portray in 1999 i i read that Steve Martin originally wrote it for Keanu Reeves. Um, so I don't know. I just want to assume that it was supposed to be Tom Cruise. Just everything else lines up with it being Tom Cruise when you think about it. But it wouldn't shock me if you say other. I, and now I'm trying to imagine Keanu Reeves in it. It definitely was, they ended up definitely changing it for Eddie Murphy, especially the, the GIF character. But yeah, just reading that it was written for Keanu Reeves made me think, oh, this was, this was supposed to be Tom Cruise. Like, yeah. That's what I thought. I don't know. Thoughts, Will? I, I was also going to say Tom Cruise. It really did seem to, to line up with that. I could see this being, um, given the levels of ego, I could also see it being, um, oh gosh, there's actually, there's any number of guys that they name drop that this could theoretically have been about or based on. You know, I could see Stallone being that guy where he's just like rampant ego, a little bit maybe past his prime, but still a rampant ego. I, I almost, I mean, obviously the, the Scientology stuff, it makes the, the tie to, to Cruz very obvious. I almost felt like a Cruz, like Steven Seagal hybrid to me, <laughs> like, like in terms of like, like the, the schlock that he's appearing in, like, I think the name, the name that was on the, the, like the billboard when they're sort of 
uh, driving around town initially and you see the billboard in the background was something very Seagal-esque. It was like eternal something, you know, and it just, it just the big like diagonal impact block letters. And it just, it looked, it looked like one of those movies. So we're not even like a, like an A-list action budget movie, like, like the Tom Cruise would be in. It's like one of those, like, right, we're, like this a direct-to-video st- Van Damme vehicle or something. I'd say what the studio pumps out in February, and they're like, "We have a hard cap on this. <laughs> like, you're gonna have to do your own stunts." <laughs> it's, it's one of these. But yeah, all right. I talked a little bit about the soundtrack. I, anything else stand out about, about the soundtrack to you, Zach, uh, in terms of either either the sound of the movie itself or or the the music within it? I thought the soundtrack was good. Like, I thought it matched everything with the movie. To be honest, and I like the way they work some of the music. In, especially the opening scene I thought it worked really well now I'm too young to know all those songs off the top of my head but um yeah no my, my friend and I were watching it and we we both just kept saying like oh, music none of the music choices seemed out of place they all seemed to work pretty well yeah I mean I mentioned it wasn't super contemporary a lot of the stuff definitely was a little older um the theme the same way that it worked in in Big Trouble I think you know kind of kind of this you know that it's going to be a little ridiculous. It, it lends itself to that. I don't know. Any anything stand out to you, Will? I really enjoyed hearing Secret Agent Man at the at the very end during the, uh, I guess the offshoot for Jif, where he's he's doing kind of goofy not kung fu stuff in Thailand. But I have to say, one of the reasons I enjoyed hearing that is because it was a favorite song of mine when I was a little kid, and for the longest time, I thought it was Secret Asian Man. And when I was watching that earlier today, I kind of started giggling and my wife didn't know why. And I was like, it's kind of a long story, but it is personally very entertaining for me to see this fake schlock kung fu movie while Secret Agent Agent Man. See, I almost did it. Almost did it right there. Secret Agent Man was playing because when I was like four or five years old, I was convinced it was Secret Agent Man. I, I'm surprised that you didn't accidentally see this movie like late at night at some point and that was the trigger for you. <laughs> it's got like embedded in your brain. Definitely uh, possible. I, I suppose there's uh, worse uh, times to realize that that's not what that actually is. All right, so it's it's been 22 years since this movie came out. What do we think has happened, Zach, to the characters that inhabit this film in the real world in the 22 years since this movie was released up through present day? Give give this one a shot. I'm I'm convinced Daisy is a big time movie producer. Like it just seems to be the arc. Like I'm just convinced that she helps run Hollywood. Uh, Bowfinger. And Jeff and that whole crew is pumping out. I'm sure that they probably have a deal with like Netflix or Hulu and is just pumping out like they they probably got like some really bad deal, like 20 movies for a minimum amount of money. And they're just pumping out just total crap all the time, like going everywhere, but they're still pumping it out. But yeah, that, that's kind of where I see Robert Downey Jr.'s character probably became Iron Man. Like I'm only half joking about that, but that's kind of the way they were positioning him. But, you know, the way I was thinking about it was, like, honestly, I don't see much different. Like, I thought the character arcs, as small as they were for most of the characters, you can kind of see where they they ended up. And I think, oh, what was his name? The, the actor. Uh, I can't remember his name oh, yeah. off the t- top of my head. The, the one who plays the star of the movie. Uh, I yeah. got to look at yeah, him. You know, I think in real life, he ended up being in a lot of like Hallmark movies. And I just think that that's him. Like Slater, that was his name. Like, I just think that he ends up just in a bunch of Hallmark movies, becoming like a Hallmark movie Hall of Famer type guy, you know, just in everything. It just, it just seems to set his role. I think they all become successful just in more typical ways. Bowfinger is desperately like a whole movie probably is like him fighting between trying to get like Hulu and Amazon to buy his rights or something like that. Like, it just seems like, that is what would happen well i think that that entire crew because i do believe that in the year of our lord 2021 we've sort of seen a resurgence in the appreciation of schlock especially with youtube and podcasts and everything else i am 
pretty convinced that that entire crew just leans into the we enjoy making bad movies and now they're like the the subject of various youtube essays and and that kind of thing you know they're on red letter media for example they're 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 all over the place and everybody just loves them and bowfinger just eats it all up bowfinger is the only one who fully capitalizes on it jiff still thinks he's making real movies bowfinger is like a tommy wiseau doing the room over and over and over again just cranking out schlock and enjoying being in on the joke whereas like jiff and probably the rest of the crew are not in on the joke and they think they're making legitimate films i feel like that that takes us through like 2012 but then bowfinger definitely got me dude but Bowfinger is oh is, oh oh yeah yeah it sure. it is no no longer working. He has been disavowed by his his uh his fellow uh, uh members of this troupe. Also, I think I think that that our our star, as he suffered more kind of being in the public eye, ret- retreated a little bit, became more reclusive, uh, allowing his younger brother to fill a little bit of a void and play off of that as many younger brothers of stars, I don't know, like Charlie Murphy did uh, in the years that followed this film, uh, or, or like any, uh, uh, you know, Belushi or, or you know, any, any sort of major uh, actor's younger brother uh, is able to paddle off of that a little bit, um, and is actually at this point more famous than, uh, than the older brother. Um, yeah, Heather Graham, I'm sure, did just fine for herself, whatever she's doing. Other people work for her now, <laughs> and, and don't forget the, uh, the the video crew is definitely like world famous cinematographers now, like right. multiple award Oscars, everything, like yeah. the most famous ones. Right yes. now, shooting artsy films, probably. Oh, I didn't get to uh, to Gaucho watch, but I have a, a fun little two pronged Gaucho watch the uh, bit on on the podcast where I try to find a tie between the film that we've watched. And my alma mater, the University of California, Santa Barbara, uh, I was trying to remember because I remember something about Jamie Kennedy doing something there. And I was looking around. I couldn't figure it out. But I did find that there's a firefighter named James Kennedy who lives in Santa Barbara. And secondarily, I found that Steve Martin, uh, a few years ago, 2015, sold one of his homes in Santa Barbara, which is not the only home that he has sold in the last few years, which maybe suggests especially when you take into consideration only murder in the building it's his other character it's the the martin short character but steve martin wrote that he was a producer on that and that character is a broke (laughs) a going broke producer maybe steve martin's having some money troubles uh maybe this isn't so far off now 22 years later that he's having to liquidate some assets to uh to get by i don't know anyway interesting find on this week's gaucho watch you guys have any other news, uh, little 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 bits, little notes uh, to to tie this whole thing uh, up before we get to the last questions? I feel like the gotcha suckers line at the end would have become one of the greatest memes in, in history. Like if it was this day, like it would just be a GIF or, or something people would play all the time and it would be played at sporting events at the end. I feel like it, we really as a society blew it by having this movie in 1999 just for that one scene where he would I feel like they, when they showed it in the movie, he was like, the camera was like above him and he had a shirt half ripped off and it was like raining. And he was like, gotcha. Like that really, that really would have done well these days. Definitely would have been a a memeable moment. Well, I'm baffled by the audience reaction to the movie in the closing scene, because there's no way that they didn't know it was garbage. Yeah. It would have been funnier if it showed all those, like, because, you know, Every time there was something that involved each of the characters, they you could see like oh it's like the cinematography and then like the you know he he's all like happy and and if they just kept doing those shots and then the lights come on and it's just they're the only ones left in the seats like that would have been a great a great finish to that but I guess that doesn't fit into the like that it was successful. Well, again to to draw another parallel, the Tim Burton Ed Wood movie ends with the showing of Plan Nine from Outer Space, which is arguably the most famous bad movie ever made, and they do that exact same thing. They do close-ups of the characters and the actors as their scenes are coming up. But Ed Wood ends with the entire audience laughing at the movie. And Ed, like, runs out of the theater with his girlfriend and they, they decide to elope. Because it's like, fuck this. We made our movie. Nobody needs to like it. 
we are what we are. And that's like your sort of quasi uplifting ending. In this, it's just like, come on, come on. It would they would have would have been funnier that would have like gotten what they deserved, you know, if after all that, then everybody just like walked out on them and they were broke again. Like I mean, like at least there would have been some sort of, you know, kind of uh payoff and, and catharsis for like, oh, right, the assholes like they, I guess they got what they wanted, but they didn't they weren't any better off for it, you know. I, I, was, well, I thought they were just trying to say that people in Hollywood will literally eat up anything. Like, cause I thought they were, I thought what they showed was so bad. And like, everybody was like applauding. I'm like, this has to be a message of some point. Like it other, it would have made too much sense with the happy music they were playing where they're all seeing their dreams and stuff. And then everyone walking out. It I was, yeah, wait, I was, yeah I was waiting for the next comedy beat. Yeah. I, I, I was, I couldn't fucking believe it that it was, that that's how they ended it. Yeah. Happy to see John show just show up randomly for like a scene and a half <laughs> nice nice early uh early career bit role for him my friend was like harold i was like yeah yeah he was uh, very excited he was like everybody's in this movie yeah surprisingly the the only uh of the of the three main characters from that film who turned out to be straight was the sort of wimpy kind of didn't really have his his you know his mojo uh together guy <laughs> not a development i saw coming in 2021 all right so knowing what we know obviously there are many components of this that would be changed uh if 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 it was going to be uh, remade, but do you think that this movie could get made again today, Zach? I do, with many changes. <laughs> um, I thought Kit Kit is definitely a character that could get played if they if they changed multiple of his aspects, took rid of the got rid of the mental illness, kind of made it more of an inflated ego, uh, lean more into the the science or mind head. Sorry, don't want to get sued. Mind head angle. I think if they, yeah, if they, if they just kind of played it off as like they're filming these scenes and he's just genuinely confused instead of like terror and paranoid, I think it could work. I also thought it would be easier these days with like cell phones. Like you could definitely film a movie. Like I have no doubt you could film a movie with a really nice iPhone or at least something like that. Um, at least that's what Apple wants us to believe. And they definitely would, you know, have an easier time finding where he was at all times. And they'd probably have an easier time getting auditions. And they could probably feed his ego, you know, by people being like, why are these people following this guy around? You know, just, I think it's something that could could definitely be made, but the characters would, you could have similar characters, but their, their uh, inspirations and their, how they act would definitely have to change. I think, I think Daisy would have to be a little bit different. You know, Bowfinger would definitely have to be a lot different. <laughs> um but Kit, not too much. Well, I don't, because I think the only thing that you can salvage from this would be the idea of some scrappy underdogs getting together to make a movie. I mean, that, by, the, idea, by, the idea of making a movie that, 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 the, that the main character of the movie doesn't well, this know is, is- This is what I was going to say, though, is like at, by the point at which you've extended so much effort, you could just get a deep fake program on your phone and just slap that guy's face onto- another character like i just don't see this getting remade it doesn't really make a lot of sense considering the effort they would have to go into it i mean i think i think it 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 doesn't necessarily make sense for a for a feature film but if, if you take it into the social media age and it's somebody blows up as some social media star on some platform and people that like they engineer this whole idea that they're gonna like steal clout by like getting them to be to appear to be endorsing everything that they're doing you know what i mean like i think i think there's there's something actually very contemporary that you could do with that throw away all the characters just start over like don't it doesn't you don't need this whole it doesn't have to be this whole send-up of the hollywood star system because i don't think i think you focus completely on on like the tiktok star system or whatever the you know like like the instagram star system and and the whole point being that like <laughs> they're just like finding ways to get this person in every shot of what they're doing to make it seem it's like the Nathan for you, or it's like, my friends are just off, off, off screen, you know, but like, but actually in the screen and like, and, and, and trying to create this whole, like, like thinking about it enough in advance to where the person is co-opted into everything. And then they can't like, they can't just be like, I don't know these people because they've like done their homework to where instead of it just being a bunch of idiots, it's like, it's like someone really manipulative, but that like, has it figured out. 
uh, and is like ruining their life that way by just completely co-opting their fame. Like, I, I think there's a, an interesting potential script there. I, I agree with you, but that's like a totally different movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's the same base idea of like we are going to make someone else the star of a movie that they don't know is happening, like, and they're going to be our star. Like, we're going to use their fame to propel ourselves to to greater things. Ah, uh, yes, like, the uh, the mashup of Bowfinger and the uh, Truman Show that we've all been waiting for, <laughs> set yeah. in twenty twenty one with TikTok stars. Yeah, that well, that's kind of Ingrid Goes West. I don't know if you've seen Ingrid Goes West. But yeah, that's it's true. It's a similar I kind of thing. Yeah. It's 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 a great movie. It's it's yeah. Very close to what you were just talking about, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, that brings us to the final question, the all-important question, the reason that this podcast exists, Zach. We must ask you, do you still like this movie? I didn't hate it. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did. I didn't. I never wanted to turn it off. There were definitely moments where I was like, this it does not hold up at all. But I would say there were moments I enjoyed and I laughed. Now would I go would I go back and watch it again or the five times I however many times I watched it when I was a kid where I didn't understand what was going on and I just laughed at a guy running across the road, you know. Probably not, but me and my friend we were both like, yeah, that was funny. We had some funny lines, you know, take out all the stuff that aged incredibly poorly and was problematic. There were funny lines that made us laugh and we don't we didn't regret spending a Saturday night watching that instead of Oregon, Washington football, you know? So we, we, uh, we, 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 uh, we didn't regret it. So I think, and I'm not much of a movie guy. Like I, I will, I don't remember the last movie I saw in theater. That might've been once a time upon once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, but you know, I'm more of a comedy guy. And so to get me to watch a movie and then not be angry that I wasted that much time on it, I think it makes it decent. At least it was only an hour and 37 minutes. Yeah, that's what I did. I was like, like, yeah, it's only an hour 37. And it goes by pretty quickly, which, you know, my friend and I were talking. One thing we loved about it was they didn't bother with the backstory. Like they didn't, they didn't bother explaining how did Bowfinger even become famous? How did he get to say, no, just, he's a crappy guy. He's got to make a movie. Boom, let's get right to it. Like, how does he know these people? Doesn't matter. He knows them. Let's just get right to the movie. Like they did not bother with any backstory. And we actually both loved that. We were like, nope, let's just get right to it. It's like, the new Spider-Man where they didn't bother with, oh, look, he was bitten. It was just, boom, he's Spider-Man. It started with, he's Spider-Man already. Don't worry about anything else. We we love that. We're like, we don't need a backstory. Let's just get right to it. Well, I did not have a good time watching this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I At one point, my wife tapped me on the shoulder because I was literally just sitting there like with my hand over my eyes, just listening. And she was like, how fucking much longer is this? And I clicked. I was like, there's 20 minutes left. She was like, that's when she made the threat. She was like, we're, we're getting divorced. Like, this is awful. <laughs> and I, it's not as bad as the ninth gate in the pantheon of things that we've, we've watched here. I don't want to give anybody that impression. I didn't have a good time with it. But, but that's, comedy is very, very subjective. There were, there were definitely some things early on where I, I laughed where I wasn't expecting to. I, I, was, I laughed harder than I thought I was going to just in, in, the, in those early you know, back and forths with, with uh, Eddie Murphy, with Steve Martin and, and with some of the other characters, just making fun of, of, you know, of uh, uh, various components of Hollywood. Um, and I, the, the fact that it was called Mindhead, I think is really funny too. That's just like, like it's so dumb that it works, you know? Uh, and everyone wearing the pyramid head, just yeah. the physical comedy of that just made me laugh. Every yeah, the Mindhead stuff was, screen was yeah. legitimately good that was some um, of that stuff for sure yeah and, and, and so like i was early on in the movie there were definitely i was like okay and then there were some really rough parts in the middle and uh i i definitely the, like, the one thing i want from a comedy is to like not have to think too hard and to like be able to just enjoy what's going on and not fall off that train like have have enough momentum if it's especially a short movie that it's gonna get you to the finish line without you know just coming to a halt and I, like i always think about anchorman like the first half of anchorman is is legitimately one of the funniest comedies of like like a generation and the second half of anchorman is fucking dog shit it's so bad and it's just crazy because it's like i don't ever want to watch anchorman again because or i don't want to watch anything past like minute 50 or whatever because i'm just like it it was it, it works and then you're just like what is happening anymore and like this movie did wasn't like a whole like veer off track it just like it just hit the emergency brake a couple times right in the middle it was really hard to get momentum back again after that and like in so he did not enjoy the things that maybe would have been funny or funnier like down the stretch as i did like some stuff early on uh when i we hadn't had those those issues but um 
yeah, I'm not going to watch it again ever. <laughs> but that's what I said. I'm not watching it again, but it did, I didn't hate that I was watching it. And I wasn't going how much time is left. I right. was just like, oh, and I wasn't like, I hope there's more. I was like, this is fine. Right. <laughs> like, this and, is fine. And we're done. <laughs> yes. I was like, we're done. Cool. Good. Not going to watch it again, but not angry. I watched it. Right. Um, Zach, uh, do you have anything that you would like to, uh, to promote anything you'd, you'd like to, to, to talk about before we get out of here? Um, no, not really. I'm just happy to, to do this and not be talking about some social media stuff. Like I normally am on podcasts. It was nice to, to be able to talk about this and it, it brought me back some, uh, some good memories of my childhood. Remember watching that and really starting to understand why my mom always yelled, man, your father corrupted you. So now I'm really starting to understand that with this movie. So yeah. Yeah. Well, glad to uh, uh, unearth the skeletons of your childhood. And uh, speaking of social media, make sure you are following us on Twitter on, uh, and on Instagram at like this movie. Uh, we'll be back here next week with another new guest and another episode. So we will see you then. I Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021. Keep Mr. Weenie in the pants. Always in the pants. <laughs> <laughs>